Thank you for listening to the Highlander Podcast, where we have conversations about the past, present, and future of the outdoor industry. Thanks to Utah State University's Outdoor Product Design and Development Program for making it possible and for training the future product leaders of the outdoor industry. Learn more about the program at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Outdoor Recreation Archive, a collaboration between OPDD and USU Special Collections to preserve the history and print materials of the people, products, and brands of the outdoor industry. Follow the archive at Outdoor Rec Archive on Instagram. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. Spencer Wyatt, Director of Concepts and Surface Design at Allbirds, speaks to OPDD students about his interest and work in color and materials and the influence of Ninja Turtles and other interests on his design career. Uh, as Chase alluded, I just got a new title, which is cool. Um, but also, I think titles are kind of garbage uh, within the industry. I think a lot of a lot of life is about experience. So uh, sometimes people get titles before they've had experiences. Some people get titles after they've had experiences. Um, in general, uh, I'm proud of this update because, as you guys might see in the screen, I'm an African American male in a, a, a industry that's dominated by people that don't look like me. So I take really strong pride in the ability to kind of step forward uh, for a lot of people and a lot of culture um, that might not be represented. So my title is Director of Concepts and Surface Design. Um, to kind of like give you the rundown of what that is, it's color materials, graphics, um, and seasonal storytelling. So I come up with all the seasonal color palettes, um, you know, rooting all our ideas in a strategy. Uh, I think the success of key brands comes down to really having a strategy. And without that strategy, um, you're just making stuff. And at this point, 2022, I think it's pretty honest, obvious that if you don't have a reason for making things, you're just creating the problem. Uh, and, you know, the world is telling us every day uh, that we've, we've done some significant damage. Um, some of my origins, uh, I'm from Ohio, but like my childhood, uh, unlike some of my friends, I had like this flawless childhood filled with just nothing but like rich content. And um, my parents were, were very supportive of my, my habits and my fascinations. And between He-Man, Ninja Turtles and Garbage Pail Kids, uh, I don't know if you guys can even see, let me pull that up. Um, my life became real in this window of time. I don't know if this, these, pro, these things are even relevant anymore, but um, my life before cartoons and, 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 you know, trading cards and all that stuff, life before was not that interesting. Life after really started triggering. So I started to see myself as um, I, I had a beacon of hope, something I could focus on that, like I wanted to achieve uh, creatively. Um, 
these are just a few of my like obsessions. So, you know, it's one thing to like, see if I drop that. There we go. All right. Um, the idea of aspiring and, and being inspired by others is really important, but I also think there's something to be said about just internal fire and, and all that stuff. But these three individuals really did change my trajectory from a creative standpoint. Uh, Romare Bearden, for those that don't know, he's really known for his collaging and his, his storytelling through, um, you know, mix and matching of, of trash to treasure concepts. Uh, Egon Shealy with his figures and his expressiveness and his like edginess, provocative style, just like really pushed me to understand uh, the human body, but also, you know, the be proud of like imperfection and things of that sort. And Frank Lloyd Wright really like pushed me over the edge. I really thought I was going to be an architect. Um, my obsession with uh, specifically falling water with this structure here was just like game changing for me. The idea of water flowing through a living space. Um, and that came from someone's head as well as like designing all the fixtures and designing every element of it like that kind of really triggered me to like think, uh, outside of just becoming a doctor or a lawyer or, a, you know, the laundry list of things that people say, oh, yeah, you're a success if you do those things. Um, sports and, and entertainment. This also triggered just a, a pivot in my world. Uh, you know, the idea of um, these humans that are actually superheroes in real life really did like just jar me. Um, Ken Griffey Jr., Ultimate Warrior, and Deion Sanders specifically, these three individuals in introduced me to the combination of art and sport. And uh, there's no such thing as like a dull moment in their career. Their storytelling is really everything. And anything that they touched, including product, uh, really did come to life for me. Uh, hip hop changed my world. To this day, I'm, I'm a product of my environment, and hip hop is directly in the bloodline of what I do. Crisscross was kind of like the sugar uh, that got me in. Outcast and Wu-Tang kind of like solidified myself into um, my key influences. Um, sports, I played sports my whole life. I swear, I actually played sports so I could get shoes, extra shoes. So my parents weren't, we weren't super wealthy. So um, you didn't just get shoes to have shoes. Like nowadays, the average human probably owns, you know, upwards of five to 10 shoes. And, and that's not considered gluttony. That's just like how, how we move now. Um, in the middle, I don't know if anyone knows about East Bay, but back in the day, East Bay, um, which is just these magazines of product, they would come to my house, like subscriptions to Sports Illustrated or all these other magazines. And my brain would just like, I would go down into the detail, into the pricing and like the skew counts and all these like things that were like formulating my head of how product comes to life, how it's sold, how many colorways, how many, like, how do you reach the consumer? And all these things were connecting sport and, and design and all these things without me even like knowing it. And I just became, uh, it, it, it was a pivotal change. This specific shoe, the Diamond Turf, um, was a, a, a starting point to my obsession. Uh, I'm not a sneakerhead. I'm not going to, I don't even like the term sneakerhead, but this shoe forced me to like, uh, I wanted to understand what this shoe could do. Um, it, it made me feel a certain way. The materials, just that little small little window, that yellow window was this, this very fine mesh uh, and the strap. Like if, I don't know about you guys, but like when I was younger, if you had straps, you didn't keep them strapped and it, it said something. And that's the nuance about 
product and culture that I love. You know, like if, if you had it, if your shoes are tied too tight, it also says something about your, you know, who you are, which is cool. I'm not trying to downplay, it, but for my representation in, in black culture and, and hip hop and all these things, um, there was definitely a, 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 just like a spiritual connection that you had to kind of like maintain. From a schooling standpoint, uh, I went to the College of Worcester for my undergrad. I had no idea what I wanted to do or be. I, your program is something very, very unique that uh, if I was you know, a younger person, I probably would have considered uh, learning about product and, and how to, to approach product earlier. Um, I spent time in the real world after graduation. I had an art background. I was really into sculpture. Uh, again, I thought I was going to get into architecture. When I realized I wasn't, I I'd spent time in human resources in a hospital just because I worked at this hospital beforehand, um, made some money, wore a suit and tie for a while and made um, my parents proud. But at the same time, I was super, really sad. And, and it was a darker period in my life um, because I really wasn't using my creative muscle. So I went back to school at RIT, Rochester Institute of Technology. I got the basics of Illustrator and, and um basically uh, 3D rendering and, and just the tools to become a designer. And then I started my journey. So I got an internship at Reebok and I'm sorry, I'm just like rapid firing, but I hate when people do this in my own presentations, but um, I started as an intern at Reebok. Uh, the original goal was to go for three months, go back to school, finish my master's degree and then find my career. Uh, but I had the opportunity to, uh, after my internship, I was asked to, if I wanted to design basketball apparel, uh, which I had no experience with, but they saw something in me, which was, um, changed my life. Um, but I got to design basketball apparel for the next three, four years, something like that. Uh, I designed Allen Iverson's clothing line, a bunch of other like Yao Ming and a, a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, and then Reebok transitioned into this CrossFit obsessed brand. So they went from this culture, hip hop, basketball, tennis, sport vibe, and then they went really hard on on uh, CrossFit. And uh, it was a it was it wasn't my vibe, but um, it, it was a, a market that exists to the today. So uh, you know, I'm not knocking it; it's just not my steez. So that actually uh, encouraged me to think outside of the box and like try to see myself elsewhere. Before I left Reebok. Um, I had the ability to touch footwear, apparel, and I transitioned into colors on design at Reebok. So that that alone was just like going back to going back to school on the job. And I'll come back to that point later. But it was this is a priceless experience for me that would never um, I, I would have never started uh, my career without that. While I was at Reebok, I, I, I had a lot of uh, energy and spare time, and, and I surrounded myself with creatives that also were like-minded, and I created um, with my partner this brand called Stance Collection, which was this do-it-yourself vinyl sneaker. This was in the era of Kid Robot and all these like little vinyl toys, and we were basically combining this obsession with toys uh, as well as design. Like We were both obsessed with footwear. Uh, my homie was a, is, is an industrial designer, so we really just paired those two concepts together and created this product. At this point, this is like er, 2020, no, this is 2007, I think, and this is when Kickstarter was just kicking off, and as 20, 
26 year olds or something. We raised 20 K on Kickstarter, which at that point in time would seem like a lot of money. Um, so after Reebok, I transitioned to Lululemon. And the reason that I transitioned was that I became obsessed with yoga while I was at Reebok. Uh, and this is 2010, something like that. And every yoga studio I stepped in, I was the only male. Um, and I figured I might as well devote something to my, uh, combine my passion as well as my career. And I was the color designer at Lululemon for three years uh, from 12 to 15, 2000. 12 to 15. Amazing experience. I can't speak highly enough about this brand. Um, the fact that women are willing to pay $150 to $200 for leggings that they have already and then buy new colors repeatedly is very impressive. Um, I also, in this point in time, got to live in Vancouver, BC. It was phenomenal. If you guys just get a chance, Vancouver is worth your time. Uh, I transitioned from there to, to Adidas. I worked in basketball had the opportunity to work in all kind of tech and, and really take my color um, and materials to the next level. Um, in the middle is this product called Strung. Uh, it was originally called String Theory. If you get a chance, Google it. It's kind of cool to look at. Basically a robot makes these knit uppers with string and uh, it was on this 4D tooling, it's crazy. Um, but my real passion was really connecting to the, the cultural aspect through basketball and. Uh, some of our collaborations and things of that sort. Fast forward to now, I'm at Allbirds. I love the brand. It's a super simple product. On the top, you can kind of see what they're known for. It's just really basics, um, super wearable, comfortable shoes. Um, but what they're not known for is color and graphics and things of that sort. So on the bottom, this is just like super quick um, stuff that's hit the market recently um, that I've been connected with. Um, all right. I'm going to take a pause there. I'm sorry. I just spit out a lot. Um, and then I have like a, a couple more slides that I, I want to talk to you guys about, but I'm surprised anybody's even heard of Allbirds. Uh, I'm still in this situation where like when I talk to other professionals and even people around the world, um, it's just a brand that we, you almost have to assume nobody knows us, which is okay too. Yeah, this is like flat. Um, I have a question. Yeah. My name is Um Also, we talk about Alberts a lot in our program, so I think actually most people here are probably familiar with it. Oh, cool. Um, so, like, I personally am like super interested in the getting into CMF design, um, mm -hmm. but like, I've just built it around like general, like my portfolio and everything. I've built around just like general design, you know, uh, like apparel mostly. How would you like say going forward? Like, what are the right things to like? study any like materials or any people to like um look towards or like things that i can do um on my portfolio and just with my general skills to develop more towards being that specific yeah i, I mean there's a laundry list of like oh man there, there's so many first of all there's so many facets to color materials there's the the color aspect but the material aspect is like you can't have one without the other um even if you take a, uh, man, some of these weaves and some of these, like, obviously knitting is, is uh, where the world is at right now. If you're not knitting, you're, you're somehow like archaic, um, but really paying attention to details and anything that inspires you, like finding ways to translate that into uh, an output. And that doesn't even have to be a functional product, uh, as corny as that might sound. 
a lot of the color material designers I work with and I've connected with throughout my time has been about storytelling. Um, there's the component of design, which is almost taking, um, I, I see them as the architect and you're, you're creating this thing and then materials comes halfway through that process. Um, and it's almost ready for problem solving. So material from a storytelling standpoint, the more that you can weave in the purpose into those materials, uh, it'll just give it more richness and, and function. Uh, I feel so, um, I feel for a lot of my material designers because like they do so much work that never gets used. Um, Cause at the end of the day, most brands specifically, those that don't focus on sustainability, uh, really lean on what's cheapest and most uh, cost-effective versus what's better for the planet and um, rich in content. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm talking around this circle, but what you should do is really just focus on um, being able to speak to what inspires you as well as like how you can talk about performance in material um, and it doesn't have, I guess performance is just one aspect, but lifestyle is less stringent on fit and function. Um, but since you're in a program that's very much focused on performance in, in most situations, having the ability to compare the, the past with the new, as well as like weaving in how color can potentially trickle into that, uh, th there's not one route, to be honest. I think just being obsessed with um, absorbing what's around you. Uh, I mean, no offense, but in, in Utah, the, the world is bigger than Utah. So there, there are, um, travel is, is only going to get you to a better place when it comes to speaking to what you're seeing, you know? Awesome. Thank you. And then I have one other question. Um, in like the kind of like the design process, where like, do you come in? Like, do you have more influence before the like designs get done or do you come in kind of like, does the, the product designer influence the color or like vice versa, or is it kind of like always? Yeah, the, I think it depends on the brand, but um, I've, I've seen the best output when it's a conversation versus uh, direction. Um, I, I respect all the designers that I work with in a way that like, I don't tell them what I, I think. I, I more or less kind of encourage them to, um, you know, think about the way that trends are moving. They're not as linear as they may have been at one point in time. Um, I think in general, respect is kind of like a great starting point in any design conversation. If you respect um, developers to do their part of the role, you know, like, I'm not stepping in talking to factories at this point saying, oh, no, I think we should do this. There, there's, there's roles and responsibility within the, 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 the process, the design process um, that really helps that conversation. So long story short, at Allbirds right now, I basically take the line after it's finished and like I add all the color and, and what have you. Um, and that really doesn't. It, it feels good for right now. Um, and again, it comes down to the individuals involved. Uh, I also work with apparel, which is another thing. So like footwear and apparel are kind of two different beasts. 
and it comes down to calendar and timing and all that stuff. But yeah, there's not one answer to that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's best to have conversation versus just um, stopping start of the process. Good question, though. Got it. Found them. Real quick. What up? Yo. <laughs> um, so I have a question about the Stance Collective. You still yeah. running? We actually sold off all of our. That's a, I love that you even brought up Stance, man. Uh, so Stance was one of those things that, like, the potential is still alive and well, but both of us were early in our profession. And we realized that we didn't want that to be our, our job. Like we created, we, it was almost like bringing a baby to the world. And we realized like, we don't have the, the want to like make it the real thing. Um, so we sold all of our inventory to pencil. I don't know if you guys know pencil, uh, but I, we basically sold it to someone who we trust can like use it the way that it was birthed to, to, to yeah function um so we we pivoted we we talk often but like it was just a great thing that we can reflect on and i think that's another thing i wanted to talk about was like in a in a way it's a failure you know like it and it definitely got us into doors and got us into conversations we would have never been um so to answer your question no it's not alive um but the idea lives on you know cool so why aren't you doing anything else entrepreneurial? I actually am. That's the crazy thing. I have a lot of, uh, the older I get, the more I realize I'm making other people money. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm getting paid. I'm getting paid. Well, it's got this promotion, all this, t- this stuff, but, um, my end goal, and I guess you're talking to me, so I, I can kind of be selfish, but, I don't want to work for someone at the end of my career. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely love the the experience I've had thus far. And I don't see myself leaving Alberts next week or anything, but like um, there's a point in time where this product thing is going to be old news for me personally. Um, I, the step in, the second I stepped into the color thing, I had a reality check that I'm part of the downfall or the reason why there's this overabundance of product in the world. Imagine if everything was only designed in black and white, that would be one thing. But the second you blow out colorways, you're, you're mass, pro- mass producing on another level that the world wasn't prepared for. Think about the industrial revolution and back in the day when product was made for function. Um, there weren't, there weren't pink Jordans. They weren't like, think about a colorway of a Jordan one right now is blown out into over 30, 50. I don't even know how many colorways at this point. That's just one shoe within a one rollout. So anyway, long story short, um, I have some other things. Investment is actually another thing that I've gotten into older uh, as I've gotten older. Um, so it's not always about design. I, I've devoted a long a significant amount of my time and energy and obsession to design. Um, but it's not my end all. Cool. Thanks, man. No problem.
Um, I kind of had like a related question um, just because you talked about like cover not really being sustainable and things like that. Like what do you, what, what I guess would be the perfect solution for you as far as sustainability goes in color? Cause obviously it's like a huge part of design and it's like how we interact with products, but is the like real sustainable option just doing it in black and white? And is that what the future should do? Or is it like yeah. too multifaceted? It's very multifaceted. I don't think there is a best case scenario at this point. Um, that's why I work for Allbirds. So when I talk to you guys about my transition and my process into the brands that I work for, normally I'm following like a passion. So I was obsessed with culture and, and, and like the history of Reebok that kind of got me in the door. Um, when it started pivoting away from what I was there for, I went somewhere that else. I followed another passion. Um, when I went back to Adidas, I was really, I wanted to get back into the basketball thing and kind of change that world. And then I realized that like I'd, I'd created all this stuff. Um, so to move to a sustainability focused brand only seemed like it made the most sense. So if you can tell there's like a, it's almost like a, a, a hero's journey. That's the, that's the term. So, you know, not to get morbid, but we're all going to die eventually. So I was born, I was obsessed with my childhood. I'm achieving all these things. I'm doing, I'm basically creating stuff for the next generation that I was really passionate about. Um, I'm realizing that there's maybe the, everything I've done isn't like the best thing for the world. And now I'm in this place where I'm like, I'm thinking about the future. I don't have the answers, but that's kind of where I'm at. So from a color standpoint, I don't think the world's going to ever go back to black and white. Um, I think there's, there's something to be said about self-expression that I don't ever want to take away from not only myself, but others, um, you know, folks who wear head to toe black, it makes a vibe. It's a statement, but it's not necessarily the most enlightening, enlightening or, or um, um, uplifting visual. So uh, this, this is my every day. Like I, I'm, I'm color in every aspect of my life and I feel like I'm giving back to an environment. So I, I just feel like color is, there, there are more positives than negatives. Awesome. Thank you. No problem. Spencer, I think you touched on this just briefly, especially with Reebok. Um, but when do you know that it's time to move on? You've, you've oh, spent, spent time with a number of different brands, really incredible companies. But when do you know it's time to move on to something new? I, I don't... I love the idea of like stagnant water. And when you see it, you know how gross it is by what's like, sorry. Um, when things become too predictable, um, I, I believe in social cues. I, I, I'm sensitive to like what's going on around me. And if nobody's motivated and, or if everybody's motivated about something that I'm not motivated by, that's my cue most of the time. Um, I normally get like a three-year itch. Like I feel like you really don't know an environment until you're there for enough time to see things change and things evolve and conversation. But when when things start coming back to where they were, you know, and they they they're not moving in the direction that you want to be, I think that's a good time to to reevaluate. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, salaries are, are cool and, and, you know, really being able to speak to what you want out of life. I don't think just because you make more, more money, you're more happy. So 
Um, I would really stick to something that you guys are passionate about or um, that you're a user. I think that's a really good thing. I, I think it's weird when like designers are designing something that they don't, they're not connected to. Uh, yeah. Thank you. My pleasure. I had two more slides. I'll just talk to them. I'm not even going to flash them up, but uh, Chase wanted me to talk to you guys about like desirable traits that, you know, we'd want to see in like teammates and, and designers of the future. Um, and a lot of that really comes down to the human qualities. You know, it's, it's, you don't have to be friends with, with uh, coworkers, but it sure helps. Um, the relationships that you can make in the industry are, are really, uh, there's a lot of potential to, to just catapult you or into the next thing. Um, professionally, I have conversations with all my coworkers about stuff that matters to me, um, whether that's socially or uh, product-wise or, or um, just thought-provoking, stimulating. Um, to not have that and just kind of talk about stuff that you don't care about um just seems like a, a waste of time and energy so you know go into every work experience and kind of seek out things that you would want out of people um i don't think anybody likes to be around people who are hyper pessimistic or um not passionate about what they're doing so don't be that person um there's so much about the industry that's about you know optimism and thinking about the future and trying to get people to a better place or to run faster or to even just walk. Um, I think a lot of what Allbirds is approaching right now, we're trying to get people to think about the basic ways of living life versus trying to be the Olympic sprinter or um, to try to like overachieve. Like if you can, if you have the ability to like walk in nature, that's a, that is a, uh, something that somehow we take for granted. Um, granted, you guys are in Utah. It, the, your surroundings are gorgeous, but I'm surrounded by tree, like, check this out, like bridges and cement and like, it's cool, but there's something about nature that, that gives back, um, even though we take from it. So, man, I, I see, I get off track. I don't even remember what the question was. Um, <laughs> uh, but things to really avoid, it really comes down to just like, you don't have to walk into like a shadowy situation. I, I, I like to stay in the light as much as possible. Um, even though that sounds very poetic, it really meant, it means like, stick to what you want to, like stick to what you're interested in. Don't, don't like go down these like territories of things that just like mean nothing to you. Um, a good example would be like, I have some friends who work in Nike and I shouldn't be throwing out brands, but like they don't even like sport. Like one of my buddies is like a really good designer and makes things that look pretty, but like this, you can't get this dude to like go for a jog better yet. Like use the performance stuff that he he's into or he, he makes money off of. Um, and that just seems kind of like dirty to me. Like I'm not going to go build playgrounds and hate children, you know, like the, I think there's something to be said about just doing what connects to your, your reason for being. 
I've got a question along those lines. I, I think like, especially right now is a formative time, like in school to like figure out who you are and what you believe in and, and like what drives you and what you want to make. Like you talked about your influences and I think did a phenomenal job of like communicating how you got to where you're at. Like, when did you feel like you could tell that story? Like, is that something you had to take, like make a conscious effort to like craft the story or like reflect on like what made you who you are today? Like, when did you formulate like mm. what your influences were and what could students do now to, to do that? Yeah, that's a good, um, I, I don't remember the moment where I realized that I, I could, I, I, a lot of stuff comes down to feeling. Um, I remember the tingles that I used to get when my second grade teacher gave me uh, the incentive of uh, if I got a certain grade, I could get these garbage pail kids. That that changed my life. It gave me the un- understanding of incentive, whereas like some kids wanted candy and all these other things where I was like, yo, the art on these is like, it makes me feel something and it makes me want more. Um, and I, it changed my life and I still apply that same thing now. Like if you guys, if I was at home, granted I'm at our new office, which is really nice to be out of my house, but um, my office is me. It's surrounded with all these like Charles Barkley posters and like things, Ninja Turtle artwork and and, uh, actual toys, like old school Ghostbusters toys. Uh, Yo, if I could have a half hour to just talk to you about how toys make me feel um it would just be it'd be geeky as hell but like so my my uh in social media my my name is moist velvet some people like the word moist loses a lot of people um and this goes back to he-man this goes this just stick with me um so he-man was the the good guy skeletor was the bad guy they both had uh animals they rode on Cringer was He-Man's and then Cringer turned into Battle Cat. And then Panther or Panthor uh, was this purple uh, panther that Skeletor rode. So I had I had Panthor, which was this uh, imagine flocking, purple flocking on this like spray. It's it's all bad in hindsight, but uh, this velvety spray that you put on plastic. And I used to put it in my mouth because I was a kid and to the point where the idea of moist velvet was like it's perfection. Purple to me, purple is everything. Um, Prince changed my life. Uh, it, it, Andre 3000, all these people are purple in my, in my existence. Like, um, so anyway, wow. See, I get, off ta- I get off task so quick. You get me talking about my childhood. Um, but anyway, the uh, understanding, interacting with a lot of different people to kind of put things into perspective, you know, what inspires them, what inspires them, like them to be great at what they do. I think it started forcing me to like re understand is take a couple of steps back and like realize if I identify what I'm passionate about, it'll probably propel me to seek those things out as well as inspire those around me. Sorry, Chase, that was a, that was a long answer to us that was good i think as a as a follow-up to that too like how much of getting a job in the industry is being able to like communicate what drives you like i mean telling telling this story about who you are and what made you what you are like how much of getting a job is 
having the technical skill and how much of it is like just knowing like how to communicate what you're passionate about and what drives you. That's 99% of it is being able to communicate what, what excites you. Uh, I, I, I flash back to like myself in, in 2006, walking into Reebok and I was butting into conversation. I wasn't, I wasn't welcome. People were talking about the, uh, the Shaq attack, um, which was Shaquille O'Neal's first shoe. I remember the kid who walked into my third grade class after winter or after summer break and he had these shoes on and everything about what was going on around me stopped. And I just could only focus on these shoes. So when they start talking about like, should we bring back this shoe? I, I couldn't not be part of this conversation. So it may come off as annoying, you know, if you're like passionate, but there's, there's so many people who aren't passionate about product that you need people to be excited. So if you're into product, you want to be in product, know as much as you can about a product. Don't ever like act like you know everything, but like showing that you're excited about something should always be uh, seen as a positive. Um, and that got me into so many situations that I, I, all of it was, was just like following what my gut said. I was like, yo, I love the idea of bringing back things that like meant something to me in a, in a window of time. And I know for a fact, there's going to be somebody else that that's going to connect to. Um, not that everything should be a retro, but um, I had, I was fortunate to go through the, uh, the library and um, the, the outdoor, you guys is outdoor. Um, what's the title of it, Chase? I'm sorry. Oh, outdoor rec archive. Yeah. Outdoor rec archive. And I was thrown in, to just like a world that I really haven't focused on. I've been really into like urban culture and like sport, blah, blah, blah. But like looking at the outdoor perspective really kind of changed my life. I actually got my, I'm wearing, yo, this is going to be full circle. So I'd never even really heard a prana um, from a, a male standpoint. I always thought it was like a yoga brand. It was kind of like granola. I'm, I'm wearing a pair of, secondhand prana pants that I got uh, after our trip. Cause I was like, yo, their, their early magazines were crazy. Um, so anyway, um, hope I answered that question. Ed. You did for sure. Um, we got a question in the chat. How do you focus or channel your creativity? I mean, th you, there's so many different directions you could take, oh, you know, man. all of these influences. How do you channel it? Uh, there's a cool thing that uh, <laughs> there's some realities about product design. There's such thing as go-to-market calendars. So a go-to-market calendar is everything that keeps everyone on task. And it, it forces you to make sure that you're doing what you need to do within a small, within a window of time. So you can hand off to the next person to make sure that the, the process just keeps moving um, through the pandemic um, resources have been challenging so that alone like most things speed up the process i would say the pandemic actually slowed down some th some things which isn't a negative i don't think don't get me wrong there's a lot of negatives that come with the pandemic but um from a product standpoint we don't what's the word we are currently living in a world where we are living outside of our means. 
Um, there's enough things in the world, and I'm not trying to deter you guys to not keep on your, your trajectory. We have so many existing things that we can still use perfectly functional things, not just clothing. Think about structure. I, I'm, the fact that they're still breaking ground to build buildings blows my mind. I, I think restorative architecture is one of those things that like, it should be mandatory. Like why, why would we like disrupt more nature to build something that you could easily do in another space? Um, wow. I get off task so quick. Um, what, oh, what, what keeps me uh, in those windows? Yeah. Ch channeling your creativity. Channeling my creativity. <laughs> yeah. I've become a professional and I actually geek out on the idea of like staying on task and like keeping, um, keeping things efficient. And I hate wasting time. I hate wasting energy. Um, so I give myself windows of time ahead of when I need to like hit a deadline. Cause I'm a, I'm an organic human, man. I, I like if for me to do my best thing and absorb what's going on around me, I can't just sit in front of my computer. I need to be in life. I need to be in nature. I need to be in a city. I need to like watch people. And um, one of the, the best parts of my life is people watching. What's that? I'm good. Yeah. I hit you guys up after. No, I'm good. I, I brought some. Thank you. See, coworkers don't understand what a closed door is. <laughs> Anyway, uh, see, they got me off track. I don't know what I was talking about. People watching. People watching. Thank you. Appreciate you, man. Keegan, great, great work. Um, people watching. Uh, there's nothing more beneficial to understand how life works and how people wear things. Like, you can't design things that you're not connected to the consumer somehow. Um, uh, we use the term consumer obsessed. I, I think it's a creepy way of going at it, but like, you know, you really have to be obsessed about understanding what the purpose is of, of what you're, what you're working on. Um, and that, that can take you to every part of the world. Like I, I've been in, uh, like I said, I'm from Ohio. If I had to stay in Ohio and try to be, you know, build the most thought provoking color palettes is probably, you know, grant the internet's cool and you can do a lot of stuff without having to travel. But if you're not touching space you, and being in, in things, you, in order to, to be able to speak to them confidently, I think you just need to be immersed. Whether that's, you know, a day, a week, a month, a year, uh, it'll just get, get you from, you know, sounding like, you know, the beginning to knowing the story. Um, um, I have a question regarding, um, that does, yeah. uh, the companies that you've been working for, do they pay for you to kind of go on these like explorative trips where you're kind of immersed in, um, like culture that you would not be experiencing otherwise? They sure do. Yo, that was on the laundry list of like reasons to be in design. I tell you what, like as a non well-traveled human, um, the second I started working, uh, with Reebok, Within the first six months, I was on a, tr uh, a flight to China to like go to factories. And in those, those trips, first of all, you're covering a lot of ground. If you don't like maximize somebody else's plane ticket, you're not like you're not doing yourself or the company justice. So 
to your question, Ellie, yes, uh, 99% of all the things that like I go and do now, um, besides like family vacations, um, I, I was in Paris at a place called Pouge, which is a um, perfumery that is no, that pretty much makes like 50, if not like 60% of all major name perfumes you've probably heard of. Um, I was immersed in, I was in, I was drinking champagne on the top of these ridiculous places that like as a small podunk town guy, um, I would have never been on unless it was on somebody else's bill, to be honest. Um, uh, before I left Lulu, one of my parting gifts, at, I call it a parting gift, but um, my last things at trips at Lulu, I got to go to New Zealand and uh, Australia to explore and to get to know the male consumer um, because Lulu is very much female centric at its heart. Um, and I found myself in Auckland. We, I was on a yacht in Auckland. We had to, we had to hurry up and get to shore because we had to go talk to the all blacks. If you guys don't know about the all blacks, it's pretty much one of the most winning, winning, winningest sport franchises in history. Um, but long story short, yes, there's a lot of situations where most companies will, pay for you to travel um, not only just for work but also inspiration we've got probably time for one more um we wrapped this class up at 20 after so just one more i guess i'd love to slide a question in there hey spencer so uh frank lloyd wright uh once said form follows function that is mm -hmm. that has been my misunderstood form and function should be one joined in a spiritual union. So I guess, what is that, what does that process look like for you? How do you approach mm. the spiritual union of both form and function? Ooh, I love that. Great. Damn. Tapping into my, my inspirations. Uh, okay. So I think about cohesive product, something that you, you put your foot in, that immediately connects to you as a, a human, you know, like um, it's weird how color can kind of like trigger or um, just trigger positive or negative feelings. If that color doesn't connect to the function of that product. Um, I think that the second that like, I'll just use basketball shoes in the, in the nineties as an example, you had product that was designed to play a sport that was taken off and then worn in a lifestyle setting that that form follows function moment kind of like evolved. So it's like this like puddle of you can design something for someone to do one task, but the reality is that human can do whatever they want in that product. Um, and I hate to bring it straight to product cause it, we are talking about product, but um that form follows function isn't, it might be a starting point, but it's not the reality. Um, and I think that's what Frank Lloyd was trying to, Frank Lloyd Wright was trying to say. Um, that's awesome that you would ask a question about somebody that like, I don't know, that, that that's cool. I mean, I know I'm a director and all, but I didn't expect that kind of question. Um, did, I, did I even come close, close to answering that question, Tanner? Um, yeah, I think uh, I think of 
I mean, it sounded like you were saying that, for example, if I create a jacket for climbing and like mountaineering, mm-hmm. uh, I might want to include a bright color because that's going to add to the function and add to the safety aspect because somebody could see me against uh, the snow. But really try totally. to like bring those two together. Yeah, I, I, man, I saw one of the coolest things in the North Face, uh, Antarctica, or the polar trip or whatever um and their color blocking was so dynamic and so uh effective and the idea of using the color block to kind of like call out the different individual or like even the country in a small space like that alone from a design standpoint is is what it's about um but you take those exact products you put somebody in some denim and you give them a coffee in new york somehow they work in both places you know it, it's i think that's a sign of good design where it's an in, inherently designed for a task but if you only make it for that one specific task that doesn't mean that somebody's not going to like appreciate it and want to do it in their own vibe so I think I like work boots. How many folks are really like walking around in red wing boots and going to pound like uh, railroad ties? You know, uh, people are just vibing there. Uh, same thing with like, oh, one of the rarest examples. And, and I feel like I always have to pay homage to it. It was like the idea of the Chuck Taylor was originally designed like to play sport. And like people were, were like playing basketball. They were running track. They were playing baseball and like, Chuck Taylor's Converse All-Stars. And the second that became like the backbone of rock culture or, or all these like other subcultures, it's, it's just, it's impressive to think about. Yeah, the intention, all good intentions, you know, and, and I think every challenge that a designer will get where you like make this product for this thing, for this person, um, but always know in the back of your your mind that like, first of all, do you know anybody else that would wear that? Or or do you think there's any other purpose for that? Um, because I don't know a lot of people who are buying like $1,500 exotic jackets and not trying to th- find another purpose for it. Um, yeah. Sorry, Tanner. I, I, I think I got off. off. No, that's great. Realizing that your very specific design can be used for, or other people might be wanting to use it for other. Yeah. Realize that your product has more than just one niche market. Yo, I'm I'm realizing, and I'm embarrassed about this, but I didn't use the word inclusive in this whole conversation. Inclusivity, guys, is is sadly it's a term that's like thrown in with like sustainability and all these like vocabulary words that people like want to achieve and, and seek out inclusivity when you is one of the, the the most important things when it comes to product if you're not designing for us the the, the all inclusive us um, it's a it seems like a fail in my mind I, I, I think about the, the world of golf golf at one time was reserved for gray-haired white men or, or and if you now in this day and age if you don't think about female golfers or minorities, young youth people, like youthful uh, sides, like 
it's just one dimensional and product should never be one dimensional in theory. Yeah. Yo, I could talk to you guys all day. I'm serious. Like sitting in illustrator right now seems like death, uh, but it is part of the job. Uh, I, I wish I could show you some of the stuff I'm working on. Uh, just keep your eyes peeled to Allbirds so you can see where the product is as well as where it's going to be shortly. Um, yeah. Well, we'll, we're probably going to have to wrap it there. Sorry. You're going to have to get back to illustrator, but, um, <laughs> but we just appreciate you taking the time. This has been super valuable. I know the chat has been more active than ever. Um, oh, nice, man. And so we, we, we really appreciate you taking the time and, um, and this is recorded too. So if anyone needs to revisit anything that we talked about here, how do people get in touch with you? You're super busy. We don't want to overwhelm you, but is there a good way to reach out or stay in yeah, touch I'm with accessible. you or follow along? Instagram, uh, obviously LinkedIn, that's like the professional way to, to reach me. But like, uh, I am very human. I have two daughters now, so I'm, I'm a parent and I'm a husband. I got, I'm a human. I got things going on. But uh, if you have questions, uh, I'm the coolest thing I love about like the people that I look up to is accessibility. You know, if you have a real question, let me, let me know. Or if I can like potentially open a door, I've had the fortunate, um, what's the word? I've been fortunate, very fortunate to meet people who are willing to help or at least like give you, uh, give me a nudge in the right direction. So Oh, if I, I didn't even say this either, but like finding mentors and I'm not, I'm not raising my hand to be everybody's mentor, but like, if you can identify someone, whether that's in your trade or, um, in your life that you can take real questions to, um, and I, when I say real questions, I'm talking like uncomfortable stuff, um, all the way up to like cool, fruitful things. Like I, I got, I got stock options, guys. That that was a that was a vocabulary word. I didn't even know what that meant. And I luckily have a mentor or multiple mentors um, and that I'm a mentee of. And uh, that just will get you from point A to like bright and beautiful places. Cool. So yeah, Moist Velvet on Instagram, uh, Spencer Wyatt, LinkedIn. That's great. Spencer, thanks so much. Thanks everyone for, for joining today. This has been super, super valuable. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. For more conversations with outdoor leaders, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, watch episodes on the Outdoor Product Design and Development YouTube channel, or on opdd.usu.edu slash podcast. Follow along on Instagram at USU Outdoor Product and let us know how you're enjoying the show.